Well, good morning. How are you all? Oh, wow, man, this front row is lit. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> hey, uh, so my name is Winston. I am the worship pastor here. And uh, like Tim said, this is my first time speaking. Well, second now, I guess I did last night. But first weekend speaking, so I'm really excited, yeah. Uh, but I got to be honest, ever since Tim asked me to speak, I've been thinking about a way to get out of it. And so do you guys know that scripture verse where it says, if anybody speaks in church in tongues, there has to be an interpreter for it to be legit? You know that scripture verse? So my plan was what if for like the first 15 minutes I spoke in tongues and then Tim would have to come up afterwards and interpret? Yeah, that could, no, okay, no, maybe not. <laughs> no, but really, I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to speak to you guys today. Um, but before I start, I just want to brag on uh, Tim and Elizabeth a little bit. Um, so as some of you might know that I actually still live in Durango, and I drive up here on the weekends, um, so I stay here Friday through Sunday in Tim's basement, and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he um, is, if you ever need grilling advice, he is the guy to go to, and uh, so like staying in his basement, eating his food, and then um, don't tell my mom this, but um, because my mom is the best cook, no, literally though, but she is the best. But Elizabeth's cooking is like right there with her. And so, uh, but no, it's just, uh, it's been so awesome just getting to know them and, and, um, and just really feeling like part of the family. And so really thankful for Tim and Elizabeth. And then secondly, I want to brag on you guys. So I've been uh, doing this worship pastor thing for, so January was a year. And then uh, that I've actually held the title worship pastor. And like the beginning of the, the year, I just was, I started doing this thing, going to the door and shaking your hands as you leave. And uh, one thing I didn't really expect as, uh, as I was just telling you all goodbye is just the amount of encouragement that you guys give me. And uh, just, um, you know, let me know that I'm doing good at playing songs and, and how much it meant to you, the, the moments that you had with God during worship. And so, yes, I am fishing for more compliments, but, uh, <laughs> but no, really, um, just really thankful for you guys and uh, happy to call this church my, uh, my family, my community. So if any of you guys know me well enough to have my cell phone number, you probably know that I am uh, the worst at keeping in touch. Uh, the worst at answering texts, the worst at answering calls. I'm really sorry, but I think I've just sort of been that way all throughout my life. I can even think in uh, elementary school. Can you think back to elementary school? You have your friends, your posse, and then I like somewhere in the middle of middle school, I realized that all the friends, my, some of my closest friends in elementary school must have gone to another school during the summer, <laughs> some over the summer break, and I just like out of sight, out of mind. And then even the same into, into high school, just my friends in middle school, and then in high school, I'm like, where is that guy? We were like really close friends in middle school. And uh, I don't know why I'm like this. I guess it's just out of sight, out of mind. Even, okay, so even my, my youth pastor, uh, so growing up in Louisiana, my youth pastor, um, this guy was so important to me. He taught me so much about the Bible, taught me so much about my relationship with God. We have, uh, I mean, I have these stories of really powerful, meaning, uh, meaningful encounters with God where like, you know, you're 
nasty cry and snots everywhere and these like really powerful moments with God. And then, uh, and then uh, just, you know, his life changed a little bit and he moved away. And then I, I was like, I just was not good at keeping up. I think just the daily life kind of got me busy. And uh, so I am like horrible with keeping up with friends until I meet a friend with a really nice boat. Unfortunately, this is actually a true story. <laughs> uh, so, so one Sunday afternoon uh, in Louisiana, um, it, man, the weather is great this day. Um, and me and my friends after church were walking down by the boardwalk in Louisiana by the lake. And um, uh, so we're just, wa- I mean, like T-shirts, shorts, flip-flops. It's perfect weather. And we're walking by the lake. And then we see this boat come up, this big, huge sailboat. And uh, it's coming up, and we're like, man, this guy is going to hit the dock. If he gets any closer, he's going to run into the dock. We're all, like, kind of walking away a little bit, you know, trying to get out of the way. And then just as we think this guy's about to, to hit the dock, I hear somebody say, hey, Winston. I'm like, and I look up, and I, and I see this guy on the boat. I'm like, I kind of recognize him. Where do I know that guy from? Like, oh, yeah, I think I recognize him from church. I can kind of recognize him from church. And, uh, and so I look at him. And I look at his boat, and I look back at him, and I realize that I have a new best friend. <laughs> so he invites me and my friends up on the boat, and we spend the rest of that Sunday afternoon uh, just drifting around the lake. It was like the best time of my life so far. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, man, I suggest it to anybody. That is the perfect way to spend a Sunday afternoon. But um, uh, so I don't know if any of you guys like relate to that. Having a friend who has something that's really nice, like a friend who has something really nice, uh, and then all of a sudden they're like your best friend because they have this nice thing. I made sure to get his name right and uh, made sure to get his number <laughs> while we were on the boat. But, uh, but if you can't relate to this, maybe, have you ever found yourself in a difficult financial situation, like a tough situation financially? I found myself in one of these situations when I was uh, a little bit younger, I, um, so my whole, my whole um, working, getting paid career job stuff started by getting paid W-2. If you don't know what W-2 is, uh, W-2 is basically when your employer, employer pays you, but they take taxes out, and so you don't have to save for taxes. And so I spent the good majority of my beginning career working W-2, having the taxes taken out, and then uh, I got this job where I was paid 10.99. Didn't know what that meant. Didn't really care, but the checks were a little bit bigger, so I'm like, okay, cool. And so come the end of the year, if you don't know what 10.99 is, your employer does not take the taxes out. You are responsible for saving your taxes. Didn't know. And so come the end of the year, I owe $1,600. And as a kid with, uh, who has these big checks and spending all of his money, has no money in his bank to pay $1,600. And so all of a sudden, I was just, man, I wonder how my dad's doing. I, wonder, <laughs> I mean, I love that guy. I haven't talked to him in a while. <laughs> um, so, no, really, that's kind of what I thought. Um, and, uh, and I was like, okay, this is not a, like a, I can't call him on the phone and talk to this. I need to go see him. And so, uh, so I go downtown Lake Charles, and he, uh, he works in this, like, real big, tall building, kind of intimidating. Oh, well. Um, so I walk through the doors, and as I'm riding up on the elevator, I kind of have this moment. I'm like, 
you know, how, how many times have I visited my dad just because? How many times have I like visited him just to see how his day was going? And then I just started feeling horrible. Like I'm riding up this elevator knowing that like I'm going to my dad because I need something. It's just like a, it was a yucky feeling, you know? And uh, I don't want you to get the idea that me and my dad are on bad terms or anything. We're, we're good. But it just had this reality check for me that riding up this elevator, like how many times have I gone just to visit him? How many times have I gone just to ask how he's doing? So um, that's how the conversation started. Walk out of the elevator. I'm like, hey, Dad, how you doing? You know, things are going good. Yeah, cool, awesome, awesome. So I owe sixteen hundred dollars, and um, and so through this conversation, he was uh, really helpful, really gracious with me. He actually, there's this this. Uh, uh, you know, I was so embarrassed to even ask him for the money that um, it, I think he kind of read that on me, and uh, he he said, well, why don't you just ask me for what you need? Okay, can I have 16? He's like, yeah, sure. And so, I don't know, bragging on my dad, that was <laughs> just really, um, I really respect him. But, um, but I, I don't know if, um, if, if, if you guys kind of relate to this at all, but I definitely see that there are these patterns in my life where I um, value what people can give me sometimes a little bit more than a relationship. It's difficult for me to admit, you know, because it feels like the, uh, you know, that gross thing that you don't really want to tell anybody that, because it's using people. It's like, it feels like this gross thing to admit, this, this difficult thing to say. But, um, um, but, I, I, but I definitely see that, um, that there are these times where um, I need people more when they have something that I want. But, uh, but I'm sure that you guys uh, probably don't struggle with any of this, do you? <laughs> I'm the only one who struggles with using people for their things, and all of you are heavenly, landlocked, tax-paying citizens who um, regularly bail your children out of their financial tax burdens. <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and pray before we see what, uh, what Jesus might have to say about this. <sighs> mm. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, um, and we just land here, God. And we know that you're here already, Lord, but would you speak to us, God? We want to hear from you, Lord. God, as we admit, admit to you that there are these uh, times in our life, these patterns that we see of, of, uh, of, of use of other people where we don't value the relationship as much as we should, God, would you come and teach us? Would you come and show us? Um, how to walk rightly before you, God. Amen. So we will be in uh, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and we will start in, in verse 11. And this is Jesus talking. He said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. In other words, Father, I cannot wait for you to die. Literally, I can't wait. 
I cannot wait for you to die, so give me what is coming to me. Man, could you imagine this moment? Could you imagine the, the hurt that the father must have felt in this moment? My baby boy, my son. Could you imagine the pain that he must have felt here in this moment? And it goes on to say that he divided his property. The father divided his property between them. And this phrase really gets to me, not many days later. Are you serious? Not many days later? Could you imagine the work that this father must have gone through in dividing his property? All along feeling this, this pain and wondering, is my very presence just this bothersome to my son? I just, I see him walking down the, um, you know, his long driveway, right, to, to put this for sale sign in this part of his property to sell it for his son. Not many days later, <laughs> I think that this father probably, like most of us, kind of have like a nightly routine, you know. He sits in his comfortable chair at night, but these few days, the chair is just not as comfortable anymore. I imagine this house, that it's, it's quiet, it's tense, it's hurtful. I think the first thing that I see that Jesus addressing this use of others, the son uses his father. I think the first thing that I see that Jesus say in using others is if use is not or excuse me, if use is left ignored, then it causes pain. And I see this deep hurt in the father, this deep pain in the relationship. It goes on to say that the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country. I think it's interesting that it says far country. Not just the country right next door, but one far away. I think this is the second thing that I see. And if... Um, if use is left ignored, it causes distance. It causes distance in relationship. There's not only pain, there's not only hurt, but there's distance in a relationship if use is left ignored. You know, I, um, I don't know if you've ever actually felt used before. Uh, I definitely have. Um, as I was kind of thinking through this, there's this moment um, well, so I had this friend, friend, okay, um, and, uh, and every time this guy would call me, it was always for a ride, always, and so uh, I kind of got to the point where I just started feeling you, like there was no depth in our relationship, there was no meaning in our relationship, it was just, I knew that every time I answered this guy's, maybe this is why I'm not good at returning calls or text messages. I just realized, maybe this guy is why. <laughs> but, uh, but, but every time I'd answer the call, it was always a ride. And I'm, I'm kind, so I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll give you a ride. But then on the ride, he would like always give me advice for something I need, didn't need advice for. It was just icky, just an icky. Ugh. Anyway, uh, so, uh, so there was pain a little bit, not too bad, but there was pain because I was just felt used, you know, didn't feel valued as a human being. I just felt like my truck was valued or my, my transportation was valued more than I was. And, uh, and then so, so I, naturally there was distance there. It's like I just kind of stopped answering the calls along the way. There was no real relationship. I just felt used, so there's distance. Um, 
Oh, man. Okay, so then, okay, so keep that in your brains. Um, I'm in high school, the same kind of time where I knew this guy and kind of like there was some distance. Um, and then in high school, I met this girl. She was really pretty. And so I, uh, <laughs> I um, got up the courage and gave her my number. And, um, and so a few days later, I'm at my house, and uh, I get this text. It says, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. How are you? I was like, what are you up to? Like, Nothing. Well, hey, me and my friends. You know, she said, me and my friends were at the, uh, at this, we're going to go play soccer tonight. Do you want to come? I'm like, yeah, sure. That would be awesome. Man, I'm like, man, this girl, I mean, she's like into me too. And so, uh, so, so I drive down uh, to meet her at this soccer game, and I get out, and I walk over to the field where everybody's playing, and then this guy shows up, the one guy that I was like, just used me for my ride. He walks up, and I'm like, hey, uh, what's up, man? Is this, is this girl here? And he's like, I don't know who that is, and then it dawned on me. I've been texting him the whole time. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I must have like he must have changed his number or something. And like, he was texting me the whole time and invited me out to play soccer. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, okay, so if there's any teenage guys in the room, make sure that you get her number, okay? Don't give her yours. I mean, you can, but just make sure you get hers. And then secondly, if you get a text from an unknown number, ask, who is this? Okay, really important, really important. Where? <laughs> okay, moving along. <laughs> so, uh, so, okay, so this son, this young son, he's in a faraway country. And uh, moving on, it says, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. I thought this uh, word reckless living was interesting. I, I looked up uh, this word reckless um, or uh, wasteful. It also um, means like lavish living. And uh, I thought it was interesting that this is the definition of prodigal. Prodigal means Reckless or wasteful? I never knew that. Um, for you non-scholars in the room, this is a story of the prodigal son that we're reading. Um, but <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting fact. I never knew that, that prodigal meant reckless or wasteful. Verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens in that country who sent him into the field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So these are, so the first thing that I, that I see that Jesus teaches about um, when we use people, there is pain. The second, there's, there's this distance that's created. And then here, I see once there's distance, there's this longing for something meaningful. If, if use in your life is left unchecked, there becomes this longing for something meaningful. If use is left ignored, it causes a longing. So moving on to verse 17. But when he came to himself, this is where I see that the story really turns around. So I think um, what Jesus is doing in describing this story is he says, man, look, okay, I know I'm like recapping a whole lot, but um, uh, look, when you use people, 
there's pain, there's distance, there, there becomes this longing. And he says, let me give you some solutions in this story. So I think that's where this, this shift takes place here when this younger son realizes what's happening in verse 17. But when he came to himself, meaning when he had this aha moment, when he realized what was actually happening, he said, how many of my father's hired servants has more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. The two things that I see that this son does, which is so crucial in mending relationships that there has been use in, is one, he stops. He has this aha moment, but he doesn't continue. He stops in his thoughts. He stops what he's doing. He puts it all down and he realizes what's happening. So first he stops. And the second thing that I see that he does is he is honest. He's really honest with where he's at. He's really honest with uh, the situation that he's in. And, um, and so these are the two, um, the first two things that I see that Jesus teaches about um, moving towards the mend of that relationship. First, the younger son stops, and second, the younger son is really honest with himself. And so verse 20, it says he arose, and he went to his father, but while his father was still a long way off, his father saw him. Man, do you remember this father, right? This father is still in the same spot. This father is still hurt. This father is still broken, this father, I believe, probably that first day that the son asked him for his inheritance, asked him or told him, I can't wait for you to die. The father probably had this realization, you know, if my son is bold enough to say this to my face, I mean, I bet he's bold enough to never come back again. I think this is the reality that this father is living in, knowing that I probably won't see him again. And so I may as well sell the stuff and get over it. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. But the scripture says that the father saw him and felt compassion, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. Man, do you see this mend happening here? This mend of the relationship of use? Because the son stopped. The son was honest with where he was at. And then second, he, he went on. He, I think my point is, go on and tell him what you want. You actually have to take action. You actually have to take those steps and moving forward in this relationship and, and just tell them what you want. Tell them the situation. Tell them what's going on. And that's what I see that this son is about to do here. So the father um, felt compassion, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he arose, he went to his father, and this is the moment of honesty with his father. This is where he says, Dad, this is what I want. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as a servant. And um, uh, this, this uh, I thought it was weird, so I looked it up. Uh, the father, so he said, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I didn't really know what it meant to be to sin against heaven. And so 
Uh, basically, what I learned is that people had this really high respect for the name of God, uh, even in just regular conversations. Um, and so this expression, sinning against heaven, because of the respect for the name of God, heaven was a, almost like a replacement for the name of God. So this, this son is saying, I haven't only sinned against you, but I realize this is so bad, I've actually sinned against God. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Treat me as one of your servants. Don't treat me as one of your sons. Then verse 22, but the father said to his servants, totally ignores him. I love it. He is so excited. He was in this, uh, like this fog for who knows how long, long enough for the son to spend all of his money, long enough for the, the son to start wanting what pigs eat. He's been in this fog, this, this depression probably, knowing that his son has probably never come back and trying to, to be okay with that, trying to move along, trying to let life become normal again. And then all of a sudden, everything shifts. He sees his son come back. He's totally excited. And the son's like, oh, I want to be your servant. And all the father hears is, because his ears are ringing. He's so excited that his son is back. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and let us celebrate. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He's lost and he was found. They began to celebrate. One of the things that I really love here is that the father didn't say, so, man, you can pay me back later. It's totally cool. The prior to the father is this relationship. Oh my gosh, my son is back. I don't care about anything else. Let's, let's celebrate. Let's have like the best time of our lives. Moving on, it says, now the older brother was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He heard dancing. What? This party was so crazy that he heard dancing. This is how big this celebration is. This is how happy the father is that his younger son is back. He heard dancing, and he called one of the servants over and asked what these things meant. And so, so, this, uh, so this word servant here is a little different than all the other servants mentioned in this text. It's probably better translated a kid. So this child comes up to him and asks, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So this kid is, like, really excited, but he was angry. So the kid's like, yeah, oh. <laughs> I thought it was good news. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the son was angry and he refused to go in. So put yourself the best you can in this older son's shoes, this responsible son. So remember back in, this, in, the, in these first few, few verses where, um, where the father said that he split his inheritance it didn't say that the younger son asked for his inheritance and then the father gave him the inheritance. It said that he split them between the two. So the younger son has inheritance and the older son who stayed back at the house now also has his share of the property. So the property's his. And so when this older son, who's probably taken on more work because the younger son has left and had this great life, he's probably under more stress his father is probably a wreck. So he's dealing with consoling his father and taking care of him. Not only that, but this, this kid just told him that they killed the fattened calf, which is like the most luxurious thing that you can eat. It's like filet mignon lobster, right? It's like this really expensive meal coming out of his pocket. Coming out of his pocket. 
This party is on his dime for someone he does not respect. This party is in a celebration of someone who he thinks stole from his family, ruined his family, split it apart. So this, this son, I believe he has a right to be angry. I think it's very understandable that he's angry. And it says that his father came out and entreated him. So entreat means, um, at least in the, in, in the Greek text, it means that he came out and he tried to strengthen him, tried to console him. And, and I think that what the father is probably trying to do here is try to get his older son to take a better way of looking at things. Because I think the father understands. The father can relate. The father understands that the son is angry, but he comes out and tries to console him. And we go ahead and read this exchange between the father and son. But the father, I'm sorry, but the son, this older son, answered his father, look, all these many years I have served you. And, you know, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I sort of imagine that, that, um, that because there's this stress in the relationship, that um, not necessarily that this relationship is closer, but it's maybe more meaningful to the son. The son feels maybe protective over the father's things, and maybe over him. But I have answered, but he answered the father, look, these many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, do you see that distance? Because there was use, this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. When this son of yours who has devoured who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed a fattened calf for him and he said to him before i move on there you killed a fattened calf for him I, I i just i think that the father probably understands but also acknowledges that it's wrong and we'll see why here and what the father actually has to say and he said to him son you are always with me Again, kind of ignoring what he said. This is sort of a theme for the father. <laughs> you are always with me. Now, if I was this son and the father said, look, and, and I'm in this mode, I'm like protector of the household. I'm protector of now the things that we own. And the father says, but you're always with me. I'm like, and? But I think what this does is it shows the priority one of the father that to the father, relationship with his sons is the most important thing. That's the most important thing to him. And second, he addresses what the, the older son is, says, and all that's mine is yours. If you wanted a goat, you should have taken a goat. <laughs> My stuff, I don't care about it as much as I care about you. I'll split my property between you guys, but I care about you guys. The most important thing to me is you and me. That's the most important thing to me. And I think what this does is, one, it shows the priority of the father, which is relationship. And I think it exposes the true heart of the older son. Maybe, I wish, this story kind of ends here, right? But I wish that I knew that this exposed the heart of the older son and he realized he was using his father too. 
this older son realized that me and my dad's stuff is way more important than my relationship with my dad. What in the world? I hope that that's what happens to this younger son. The son says it's all about your things, but the father says no, it's all about you and I. Um, so the father in this story, as Jesus tells it, the father represents God. He represents God. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but there have definitely been times in my life where, um, where I've used God. Um, I think of this one moment where, um, uh, unfortunately, I don't really remember what exactly I was praying for, but, but as I was asking God for this thing, for this way that he could help me out, as I was praying, it sort of brought me back to that elevator moment, going up to see my dad and wondering, when was the last time I just said hi? And all of a sudden, it hit me that, man, I am treating God just like I am, just like I treated my dad. But I just go to him, not because I like him, even though I do, but it's not often enough. I don't go to him just because I want to hang out with him, just because I value him. I just realized that, man, I was using him for his stuff. My conversations about stuff and my conversations about how are you, they were very imbalanced. <laughs> and, uh, and as I was um, continuing this prayer about what I needed, um, I think uh, I just had this sort of moment where I felt like God spoke to me really gently, though. Um, and he said, uh, I'm not a vending machine. And I think I knew exactly what he meant. I'm not, I'm not a God that you can just put stuff in and get stuff out. Even though I can do that, just like this father, it's not about the stuff. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you blessing. I'll give you whatever you want because I love you because I'm good. But I'm not a vending machine. And I kind of, <laughs> I don't know if God can be hurt. I bet, I bet he could. But, but that's what I sort of felt in this relationship, that God was a little hurt. That this prayer was just another prayer of me asking for something. I'm not a vending machine. I'm not, I'm not something you can just use. I want relationship with you. I want vibrant relationship with you. I want a party so loud that people hear the dancing. <laughs> I want there to be depth and meaning in our relationship. I don't want it to just be about what you need. Do you realize, <laughs> maybe, maybe you've experienced this, right? I think we've all prayed for, for what we need before, and I'm not saying that that's bad, but maybe we've all had these moments where we realize it was a little imbalanced, or the quality of our relationship with God wasn't quite there when we were asking for something that we needed. Do you realize how much it affects your relationship with him? You know, um, I was kind of talking to some friends about this message and this idea sort of came up as we were talking. If heaven wasn't part of the deal, it is, okay? <laughs> once you place your trust in Jesus, once you follow him, man, you become alive. You are able to enter into this, this heavenly place with God forever. But if heaven wasn't part of the deal, what would your relationship with God look like? 
Would you be satisfied with him? Just him? That's a difficult question sometimes for me to answer. So who are you today? Are you, do you see yourself as maybe the younger son? Do you think you've probably run too far and used God in that way? Are you the older son who is responsible and really caring for God's things but don't know him that well? Maybe your heart is a little hard because you were doing the right thing but missing out on the better thing, the relationship. I think the truth is that God loves us no matter how far we run, no matter how hard we work for it. The whole point of this is is that God wants vibrant relationship with you. Just like this father and his son, God wants vibrant relationship with you. To God, this is the most important thing. No matter how much you use him, no matter how much you just want him for his stuff, like a father to a son, you and him are the most important thing to him. Your relationship with him Your time with him is the most important thing. For him, it's always been about you and him. So I wanna go ahead and invite um, Tim up. And uh, and what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna sing this song together. But but as we sing, you know, I just... um, Yeah. So... I think one thing that's actually been helpful, and I've used it a few times, is, um, is seeing what this younger son does in getting out of this useful relationship. Not useful, but <laughs> using sort of relationship. I think one I love that he stops. And actually, I made, I made a last night do it, so maybe I'll make you guys do it too. So when he stops, and I have cute little motions, so he stops. He stops his thoughts here. Why don't you go point to your mind for me? He stops, and then he's honest here. He point to your heart. He's honest with where he's at, and he confesses with his mouth what he wants from God. And then the second thing I see is that he takes it. That's the beautiful thing about this younger son is I think for me, it would probably kind of be sort of difficult that um, I know I've used my father, but I'm like, I just deserve to be a servant. He doesn't hear a thing I says, say, and he just says, let's celebrate. But the younger son actually obeys and walks into it and is obedient in what God might have him do, which is celebrate and have a good time. So there's been actually a few times this week where I just sort of check my heart before I pray and I'm like, I need to stop. I'd be honest with where I'm at. Okay, I'm in this stressful situation. I really need this. And I go to him and I tell him, okay, God, this thing is not more important than my relationship with you. And then I wait. Wait for what he might say. Imagine what it would be like if we had relationships with God like that. Where we would be satisfied with nothing but him. Where we might take the same priority as God, where stuff means nothing, unless I don't have you. I'm 
God, would you come and have your way, Lord? As we wait for you, as we sing to you, would you speak to us? Would you come and show us your priority of relationship? So as Tim plays, you guys can either sit or stand. But what I really want is that I want you guys to have a moment with God. I want you to speak to him. I want you to listen to him. God, we are so thankful that your priority is relationship with us. As we go this week, how would that stick? How would that stick? That's the most important thing. Even though you provide for our needs, that's not what you are to us. God, we want to be a people who say that not only does my God provide for me, but he's a good friend. He's a good father to me, and I know him well. We're so thankful for you, God. So thankful for your friendship and your relationship with us and how you prioritize us and your relationship with us, God. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God.